As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of the Athletic Football Show is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, October 1st. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Shio Kapati is going to be joining us a little bit later for our week four picks. Bring him on like we do every single week. Really enjoyed our conversation with Shio. Before that, though, I am thrilled to welcome my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I love it. I, I am doing great. I just love how you talk about Shield. Like we're gonna wheel him out, like a like a special attraction. We got Shield coming on. Here he is. Like you know, coming on every week. But that no, it's I love doing this show, especially for slate of games that we have on Sunday. Like I, I'm fired up to watch so many of these games. It was actually kind of hard to pick what we were going to talk about because there's so many good ones. It was really tough. So obviously every Friday we try to pick five things. Sometimes it's a player. Sometimes it's a matchup. We have three just full games here <laughs> yeah. because of how many games that we wanted to dig into. Before we get into those games, though, I did want to start with one matchup. The game of the week in a lot of people's minds. Tom Brady going back to New England. I think that one side of this ball is significantly more interesting than the other. And I think it's the Patriots defense playing against Tom Brady and the Bucks offense. I thought this was a good chance to dig into what New England has been doing defensively this year. How they've been playing. Because I feel like you and I both were excited about this defense coming into the season. They have a lot of talent in the front seven. And so far, they've been pretty good. They're a top 10 unit by DVOA. Yeah. I think they're, they're eighth right now. They've really done a great job at limiting explosive plays in the passing game. So what, do, what when you went back and you watched them today, what jumped out to you about the way that they've played over the first few weeks? The first thing is just the personnel groupings they use. Uh, uh, first thing is they, it's so that, they, hard to keep track of. 
It is Isn't so it? hard to keep track of who's on the field. Because they move those linebackers everywhere, and it's just like, no, no, put him as the mic. No, Hightower's the mic. No, why is he on the ball? Like, you know, it's like, oh, I know. And then, like, the safeties are all in different places, and it's just. I'm pretty sure they played 19 guys on defense against the Saints last week. Wow. I'm it pretty sure like it was it 19 guys. And not just like a scattered play here or there. It's like Joe Juan Williams is playing a couple nope. plays. Like Jalen Mills is out wide. Then he's in the slot. The linebackers are all over the place. You have three safeties on the field. Like Phillips is at linebacker. Duggar's at linebacker. It is so hard to get a hold on who's playing where within this defense. Obviously by design, right? But when you watch an entire game, it's like, holy shit, yeah. this is a lot. Yep. It's just annoying because you don't, don't get a bead on it. Like we watched the Chargers and I, I we were talking about it and I was like, okay, we're, we're Derwin James is. I could tell what personnel grouping they are. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just like, okay, boom, I could just do it. It's just one guy. I got you know, one little ad lib guy. I have to keep track of here. It's like five of them. And it's like, okay, so if nine's here, then 54 is here. Okay. So that means they might be, oh, they're in zone. Shit. <laughs> that's kind of what I, I I couldn't even get a tell on them. And I trust me, I've had a game plan against against the Patriots defense. And it is a pain to go against. But I, I just even that confusion, like so Kyle Duggar, number 23, like they have him in the box a whole bunch of times. But mm-hmm. what's so cool about playing a safety type body in the box is some of the pressure looks they can do. Like they last week against the Saints, they were bringing they brought like they brought McCourty and I think they brought uh, the nickel. Uh, and they brought them both off the edge and then they dropped Duggar from the box all the way back into the post. And yep. it's like that, that those just little changeups can, even if you just do it once a game, that means the next team has to plan for it. The next team has to practice against it and you don't even have to run it. You can just say, hey, we have it in our back pocket when we want to bring it out. That's annoying. That's really, really annoying. I think it's really curious to me too. And I don't know if this was just because the saints don't really have any true receivers right now is they didn't run a lot of the one double stuff. It looked like true no. more man-to-man with a blitz uh, where they were bringing five guys. And it, it, I'm curious. I, I like that. That just seemed like a different method methodology from this Patriots defense on third down uh, uh, speaking to you. And so I, I'm curious is that if you go against the Bucks defense or Bucks offense, they got a couple guys you have to worry about in the passing game. So who are you going to double? So I don't know if they're going to just go, hey, we're just going to run to do the same thing where we bring five, try to push the pocket. They also have no qualms in dropping eight and pushing the pocket. And but the yep. thing is, this isn't a dink and dunk offense. This is a down the field offense. So if you drop eight, it can be a little hard. Like if Brady's just gonna be able to sit back there, he's patient enough to not worry about like having that internal clock in his head and he can attack you past, past the sticks. So I think that's maybe what they're going to, I I'm very curious how Belichick's going to go about it. Or if he just brings like 50 different pressures and looks that he's never shown before, which I could see him doing as well. Well, you mentioned the one double stuff. I mean, against the saints, they didn't play much man coverage. I think I was looking at the numbers. It was 27% man against New Orleans. They actually played a bunch of cover three. Three. And yeah. over the course of the of the season, they have not played a ton of man relative to what we expect from New England. And yeah. I wonder if that's based on some of their defensive personnel because at corner, you know, when they signed Jalen Mills, I expected him to be more of a hybrid player because of what he had done in Philadelphia last mm-hmm. year. But without Stephon Gilmore, he's really been mostly an outside corner for them. And so I don't know if they want to not play as much man because they're a little unsure about their corners or how they're doing it. But they're playing a lot more zone. It's just so funny, though. Even playing zone, they're so well coached. Yeah. Like, they're just so well coached. Watching guys in multiple positions sink under corner routes when that side is cleared out, whether it's Hightower, whether it's one of the safeties, it's just – 
it looks so much different than when you're watching a defense where everyone's just kind of floating. We're just like the linebackers, they get no depth. Endlessly. Just, just wasted in the middle of the field. Very yeah. few guys on this defense are ever wasted. And, and yeah. that is why even if they don't have excellent personnel on the back end, there's still a real pain in the ass to pass against because their secondary, everybody back there is just usually in the right spots. So it, I'm curious, again, you said you don't know who they would double, how much man coverage they would play. What do you think is the most important thing they have to keep in mind playing against this Bucks team? Slow it down. I think that's what it is. It's, it's honestly just limit the big plays, which I think is every defensive philosophy. But I think for them, it's, hey, we know what Tom Brady is, especially in New England. Uh, make him work for it. Make him not get these 20-yard chunks over the middle. Make him check it down. Make him bat the ball, you know, get it go to Leonard Fournette. You would much rather have Leonard Fournette touch the ball than the other four eligible receivers on a play, on any given play, a Gronk or the three receivers, or really the two. Well, Scotty Miller's out now, but Tyler Johnson is like looking good as well, as we know. Uh, but it's, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the cover three thing because I, I wanted to lead this. I was going to say, do you have the coverage numbers? Because all of a sudden, it was really funny to watch this after seeing so much too high defenses from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then seeing this Saints offense and all this heavy personnel versus this Patriots defense with all this man and cover three. And then like just all these bodies near the line of scrimmage and everything. It was like it was like old school football. Like it was like really like, oh, man, this is kind of like a, like a little bit of a throwback from a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this Patriots defense especially with, you know, put Hightower on the edge and Judon on the other side and, and the size they want in the middle. Davon Gachu, number 92. I don't know gotcha. how to say his name. Yeah. Gotcha. Whew, playing really well in the interior. They are really designed to attack more of these finesse run games, these outside zone run schemes. I actually thought the Saints were a bad matchup for this Patriots defense in the sense that they were willing to go heavy play action and drop back and drop back and go, Touchdown to check down, not so much touchdown, but deeper plays to check down. I think Jameis had about three or four curl routes on them. Um, a, an offense that's more spread, I actually think that this team would do better against uh, uh, defensively. Um, they're more met like or an outside zone heavy team. The thing is, the Bucks, what do they run? Duo inside straight zone, downhill. It's, it's, uh, straight downhill. So it's not. It's really it's power versus power. I guess it would be. A, it's a strength versus strength, literal literal strength. Um, it's not more of a finesse side to side run scheme. So I actually think how the Patriots are built to play, it's actually not a greatest matchup as far as run stopping, but it's also, you're not terrified of the Bucks run game. So I think that's maybe what the Patriots lean towards is make them run the ball, make them check it down to these backs and just play soft and just say, Hey, whatever, whatever we'll, we'll take field goals. Cause I think that's how they have to win this game is to muck it up. Well, that's kind of what I was saying about them getting so much depth, the linebackers just bailing yeah. out and kind of playing underneath that stuff on the sideline. They're essentially saying, we'll give you anything five, eight yards right past the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. We don't want to give you anything outside the numbers deep. They were taking that a lot of that stuff away. And maybe that's exactly what they do again. I wanted to ask you, one of the bigger pass, one of the bigger completions the Saints had in that game, The they had a two-by-two two set on the left side and – the number two receiver, I guess the number one receiver, ran off. And the number two was running a corner stop. And that yeah. corner stop has been I've, – I've seen it a half dozen times a game from every single team. When you're running that sort of combination where one guy's running off and the other one's running that corner stop, what are you trying to accomplish? 
So you're hoping the defense is catching, if that makes sense, with the corner. So say a corner on the outside is running with the go ball. Sometimes they are they have eyes back on the quarterback, or sometimes they're anticipating a, a scissors type concept, scissors being a post in a corner. So now you're hoping that the defense is catching on the outside and anticipating you running a corner. So it's like a reverse curl. So as opposed to a curl being like an over and then stopping, mm-hmm. you know, you're selling, you're breaking in. Think of it as the reverse of that. So really, you're anticip- it's really this defense playing soft and catching you, anticipating that you're about to run that route right into them. You turn around, you body it up. The Saints hit it, what, three or four times on them? And, and, that's, and that's what it is, is. And you're seeing it. You're going to see it more and more. Um, or you saw it probably saw it last week with the Saints, uh, with the Saints against this Patriots defense is when they're in that cover three look, mm-hmm. those outside corners are out, you know, heavy outside leverage. And so now this route is going to like lean into it and then just come back and you body up the throw. It's um, Matt Ryan throws that ball really well. Uh, uh, I call it a cop route, uh, corner stop. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, there's other names for it, but that's what I call it. Uh, but that you're going to see a lot of it or a stop seven stop. I think other people call it. Uh, but that that route you'll see a lot more of against uh, corners that have eyes heavy towards the quarterback and, and are really trying to undercut stuff or really trying to bait a quarterback into it. And you're just kind of playing off what they're playing. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I saw a bunch of teams try to do that. I think that, again, it's kind of a natural extension of all the corner routes that we're seeing because of how yep. much more zone coverage teams yes. around the league are playing, which is, you know, that again, the, the give and take is always interesting to watch. All right, let's get to a game that, I think it snuck up on us. It's always fun when you're yeah. looking at when you get to the schedule every single week and these games that didn't seem like they'd be interesting heading into the season are now kind of must watch games. And that's how I feel about the Cowboys Panthers game. Never did I think Cowboys Panthers would be one of the marquee matchups of this week four slate. And now it might be the game I'm most excited or interested in watching. Uh, it, same. <laughs> I, like, I mean, honestly, this is like. Uh, it's the joke of make. It's just the styles make fights. I'm so excited to see what this Panthers defense can do against this Cowboys offense. Like, I just think it's going to be a really cool stylistic matchups. I think there's going to be a lot of big plays uh, uh, on both sides of the ball. And, and honestly, I'll just start with the Cowboys offense. I'm, I'm loving the personnel groupings uh, that Kellen Moore is using. Dak's playing phenomenal, of course, but I, I just love that. They're not taking what the defense is giving them in a sense. They're more just like, we want to do this because you're doing this. All right, we're making it our strength. Anything, the flavor of the week, they can turn into their strength. Week one, it was dinky duck passes, you know, a couple double moves. Week two was pounding a rock right up the middle, a couple yep. overs and, you know, getting the ball out quick in the spacing and taking those underneath throws. And then we saw this past week against the, against the Eagles. They're like, hey, you want to put Avante Maddox in the box? We're going to pound the rock right on you. We'll go 12 personnel. They were going 21 jumbo with, uh, uh, they put the offensive lineman at fullback, uh, Connor McGovern at fullback, and they're having him lead block. Like, And then on the next play, they're going pony with two running backs, and they're 12. It's this usage of personnel has just been really cool to see with Kellen Moore. You have 01 personnel with CD Lamb in the backfield, and they're just kind of going, it's like a greatest hits offense, which is, you can get away with when you have a quarterback operating like he does the offensive line that's playing how they are playing right now and all the weapons that they have having two legit tight ends just unlocks so much because they can just they both can block and they both are good route runners and it's like that's really hard for a defense to stop so i really want curious to see against this panthers defense where i think they have a weakness in the back end but they have a really good front seven or, or an athletic and fun front seven they're just moving and it, how they hold up against more of a 
at-you run attack that the, the Cowboys have. They love their duo. They love their power. They're going to run right up your butt. Like I'm curious to see how they hold up and whether any of their corners can hold up with J.C. Horn out. And if they want to live in a little more pressure coverage, Dak in the offensive line is very good at sorting out pressures. That's one of Dak's best qualities. So it's the styles make fights, and I want to see if this Panthers defense can hold up because I, I think the Cowboys are going to bring it. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I want to get to the Panthers defense, but I want to talk about some of the things you're getting at with the Cowboys offense. We talked about this coming into the season. Even when Dak was on the field last year and they were throwing for all those yards, when I watched that offense, I was like, eh. Like it just was – I wasn't impressed with some with most of the thing, the structure of it and what they were doing. It wasn't an exciting offense. It looked like a slightly juiced-up version of the Linehan-Garrett Cowboys offense yep. where it's like a lot of stop routes and a lot of like static receiver alignment. It's like this is not interesting. I feel the exact opposite way about how they've played over the first three games. The only team in the league that's used 12 personnel on more snaps than the Cowboys is the Dolphins. The only team in the league. and Because Gasecki's a receiver. <laughs> yeah, and, and partially that's because Gallup is hurt, right? They've had to yeah. go that direction. But I still think that all the different personnel groupings that they've used, the different ways they've used them on Dalton Schultz's touchdown last week, the first one where he just like a little switch verticals with Amari Cooper, he sneaks out the backside. They're just getting so many easy completions to the tight ends by the way that they're using them. On, on the boots, they're using the tight end to seal the backside so Dak has more time. And just like all the different ways yep. they're using those personnel groupings is so smart. Amari's all over the place. Like yeah. they're sneaking him inside the way that the Bucks use Godwin every once in a while on some of those play action throws. And it, it's so interesting to watch all the different ways that they're attacking people. And I think the same is true of Carolina's defense. Yeah. Because when you look at, when you think about their personnel, especially on the edge, right? You have Reddick and Burns, undersized, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So what? How did the Panthers complement that? They got beef in the middle yep. of that defensive line. They have Derek Brown in the middle, Bravey and Roy, the second year defensive tackle, who's like just massive and just getting in the way of things. Daquan Jones is there. Morgan Fox has been great for them. Great. Like just he is. So I he is the perfect cog in when you need a really good defense, right? Like that's what he was for the Rams last year. Like he's somebody yep. that just eats blocks, but actually has some juice as a pass rusher. I thought he played excellent rewatching the Saints game today. So you have this they have the number one rush defense in the NFL by DVOA. And yeah. that just that would be the thought is they have all of this speed and athleticism. Let's just run the ball downhill at them. But because those guys on the interior can hold up so well, teams are struggling to run against them. And then you talk about the Patriots and not being able to know where guys are. Good luck figuring out where guys are lining up on this Panthers team. Jeremy Chin is the best example, right? So he'll, right now, looking at the snaps that he's had this year, 85 in the box, 24 at slot corner, 43 at free safety. The fact that this guy is 215, can play linebacker for you in certain situations, is a good blitzer, and they're comfortable just playing him as the single high safety. And I, one of the other things that jumped out to me, J.C. Horn playing in the slot a ton. I mean, he, yeah. he spent half his snaps. He played the exact same amount of snaps in the slot and outside over the last two weeks, 33 and 33. And it just it speaks to how many different ways they're trying to use those guys. I know he's hurt now, but I just think that their personnel groupings, their alignments, it's kind of like the Cowboys, where you're just having trouble keeping track of it all in a good way. And I mm -hmm. think that's why it's so interesting. 
Well, those those a gap double mug pressures are so great when you have ath- athletes like Shaq Thompson yes. and Chin that are able to fly out of there and actually yep. cover, as opposed to just being like, "Oh, we look good on a drawing," where he's trying to look up some some streaking receiver, streaking tight end. It's like those guys can actually do it and cover that ground. That just unlocks everything. Uh, I, I know. I, I'm I'm just very curious because the Cowboys are kind of. I mentioned it before, our greatest hits offense, but especially in the run game, they can kind of get into anything. They pull guys, they run zone, mm-hmm. they run duo, they power. Um, I'm curious what they go with this week. What's their flavor? Like what are they going to try and tack the edge? Are they going to run at Reddick? Or, you know, as Tyron Jones, you know, are they could run that side or are they going to misdirection guys? Are they going to watch stuff up? Are they going to run screens? Like I, they run a little bit of everything. So I'm curious what they lean into this week. Um, and it's such a great point you brought up with like Amari Cooper blocking and stuff like even CD uh, for a first round pick and everything he'll block like they it's nice. When he you also weighs have, like 180 pounds, even though he's, he's like six weird, four. He's, he's, so he's such a twig. Built. He's so skinny. He's so weirdly built. He's like a really long torso. I think that's what it is. Like, I can't figure out why he's built weird. <laughs> the, that weirdly built receivers. I got Justin Jefferson and CD lamb. Like, I, I guess I just like my <laughs> goofball built receivers, but even in the past game, like we, we, you're saying like the static route stuff, it's like nothing they run is like crazy extraordinary. Like it's not like you're like, oh my God, I've never seen that concept before, but it's, I, I like it because it's more like concepts I know. And I'm like, well, and then when you have a quarterback that's operating how he is right now, it's just, it's precision and it's just going foo, foo, foo. And his eyes are foo, foo, foo and going one to two to three so quickly. And it almost looks like he's short, he's shortcutting reads on every concept and it's, Sometimes he gets a little too cute for himself, Dak, I'm talking about. But it's really, really cool to watch this offense operate with the talent that they have. Like it, We get spoiled sometimes where it's like, I shouldn't say spoiled. We we watch some of these good players and we're like, oh, you know, they, that coach gets by with it because the player is so good. But it's cool to see a scheme utilize the talent. You know, it's cool to see how Kellen Moore is using. He He knows he has two tight ends. But he doesn't go like, oh, I want to be in three wides. I want to be an 01 personnel. He's like, no, let's let's use 12 personnel. I have two good running backs. All right, let's go in pony personnel with two running backs. It's it's you knowing what you have. And I, I just really like it. Um I I'm I'm curious. Like third downs are gonna be fascinating. Like I, I one of my favorite films I've ever watched is is Dak Prescott versus Mike Zimmer and watching him sort out that stuff with Travis Frederick and uh, two years ago or three years ago. And that's one of my favorite games I've ever watched of a quarterback operate because it was just so cool watching him dictate protections and communicate with his offensive line. It's a game afterwards. I'm excited to watch the film and, and just see how those third downs and those situations broke out because it's, it's going to be a really fun schematic battle. And I'm curious what Kellen Moore leans into because he has anything as disposable disposal. And it kind of shows that he's already shown that he can do it. He can run, any type of concept so far. So I'm curious what they lean into this week. And that's not, we haven't even gotten to the other side of the ball with Sam Darnold and stuff too. When, I, I know they're not doing anything crazy, but the ways they're getting to familiar stuff is interesting. Like the ways that they're getting to flood concepts and how they're getting those guys into those. Sometimes it'll be Amari coming across as the flat controller. Sometimes it's like a little whip with one of the tight ends where they're sealing the backside. It's just, they're getting to their stuff in ways that are really hard to predict. And I think that's, makes you really dangerous when you have a quarterback in this type of talent. I will say this is a much different challenge for Dak than the last two weeks. I mean, you have a team that's blitzing at the third highest rate in the entire league, 37.5% of the time the Panthers are bringing five or more. Dak was blitzed on 10 total dropbacks 
over the last two weeks against the Eagles and the Chargers. Not surprising, right? Like they're yeah. down, they're down there at the bottom of the NFL in terms of you know in terms of pressure looks. We know that it it doesn't look as as good without Travis Frederick. That is what I will say because the one of those five pressure dropbacks the Eagles had, one of them that had a, that they had a sack on looked almost identical to that pressure that the Panthers are consistently bringing with the slot is coming off the edge. They're in that double mug look and then they're dropping out of it. So they're going to see a ton of that. And I think so far the Cowboys haven't done as good a job as you might think with Dak against looks like that and just against pressure overall, their numbers against the blitz are not that great. So I'm curious how that ends up playing out because Dak, Dak is operating at an incredibly high level, just quarterbacking wise right now. But like the numbers against actual blitzes have not been that good this year. I think that's mostly on the line more than it is on Dak. The other thing, I want one last thing about the Panthers defense. They're blitzing at the third highest rate in the league. They have the highest pressure rate in football by far. It's like 46%. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're playing man at the 15th highest rate in the league. So they're a team that's bringing tons of pressure, but playing real zone defense behind it. And that's exactly what you were talking about with the athletes. Like they can bring, have, be in those mug looks and play sound zone defense behind it because of how fast those guys can get depth and get back there, which is very, very cool. I did not expect this defense to look like this coming into yeah. the year. I, I just didn't. And I, yeah. I expected them to play more man because of J.C. Horn, but that's not really what they've been doing. So we'll see what it looks like without Horn. But they are getting A.J. Boye back this week. They traded for C.J. Henderson. I assume he won't play very much or if at all this week. But it's a defense that I just was not expected to be this excited about. And the same goes for the Dallas defense. Because coming into the year, I think a lot of people thought, Dan Quinn, cover three, we know what we're getting. And they have just run a little bit of everything. They're 22nd in the NFL in cover three dropbacks, the Dallas Cowboys are. I mean, they're doing so many different things because I think their viewpoint on this is not dissimilar to the way that Steve Spagnuolo calls the Chiefs defense. He's like, I'm just going to throw something. We're going to spin the wheel every single play. We're going to pick whatever comes up. We're going to try to make a big player get a turnover because our offense is going to score 30 points a game. And it's not the worst plan in the world. No, No, it's not. When you have a quarterback that's operating like you you just said, and and you could trust your offense, it's like, well, maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't trust his offense at the end of the half. But uh, but it's but that's what that defense is they it's the high variance hey big plays or gash or be gash defense that's what it looks like i mean the eagles couldn't really punish it last week but you know darnold's operating at a pretty good rate right now but that is that's what's so funny is like some of these snaps also it's like michael parsons is on the edge and they're bringing five just like on the yep. second and four and you're just like okay <laughs> yeah sure let's do it let's bring some heat and then the next snap they're in quarters next up they're in three next it, it really is it's as opposed to the seahawks defense of years where they just ran three or man and, and you knew what they were going to be in right at the snap of the ball. But it was like, Hey, you have to beat it. It's the other thing. It's let's trick them. Let's, let's make them double clutch. Let's make the offensive line edgy or let's make them think that they're going to heat it up and not bring anything and, and play something behind it. They still have some busts. You can tell when you, when you try to run a high variety of coverages with high variety of rules, like Spags does, you're going to have busts. We, we talked about it with the Austin Eckler touchdown against the chiefs. They caught him in a blitz. They motion. Austin Eckler is wide open on a choice route because they 
messed up the numbers. They were like, oh, what's number three? What's number four? That happens. If you want to bring pressures and you don't want to go true man and you want to match stuff up, or if you want to go match coverage, that's what can happen. Uh, but that's why I think there's going to be a lot of points on Sunday. <laughs> I, I, I think there's going to be some fireworks where I think it's going to be some big plays, uh, uh, either the Cowboys getting after them or or Darnold hitting one of the two receivers and going over the top or really three receivers now. Um, one of the weakness too with the Cowboys defense, and, and this is because probably just numbers and passing the things off, is the tight ends and running backs, it seems like. Well, that's um, the thing. You know, if, if McCaffrey was playing in this game, they could just oh. option route them to death. Because that is that's the weakness is that those linebackers in coverage, no matter who they throw out there, that's not a situation that you want. But now yeah. with McCaffrey out, I think it just changes the complexion of how they would go about going after them and trading Dan Arnold. Like you know, yeah, <laughs> they were running choice routes for him uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, against the Saints. They ran a choice route for him. So I, I, that is one of the weaknesses. That's why we saw Dallas Goddard and Ertz get a couple catches on on Monday night. Um, mm-hmm. Is that when you're going to bring pressures like that, those linebackers have to be smart and realize what the counts are. Outside corners kind of know who number one is. It's pretty easy to figure out who number one is. <laughs> Can you figure out who two, three, and four are? So that that is probably why you see some of those big plays pop against the Cowboys. And we'll see we'll see how Joe Brady dials it up. Uh, I think maybe you see some Robbie Anderson slot stuff. Um, I think that might be something to look for from the Panthers. And and honestly, the Panthers' run game are kind of a, it's more of a sum some of their parts than the actual O-line. They actually are doing some well-coached things. Like, it's just a sound run game. Makes sense. Joe Brady's a Saints guy, um, but, but, you know, by trade. Uh, so, curious. I'm curious if they run the ball, they do something that the Eagles didn't, even if the Cowboys want to show a loaded box. So, how Panthers go about it, I, I'm very interested to see because this you can get after this Cowboys defense, but it's one of those where you do not want to play from behind because they're going to just spin some stuff at you. <laughs> One last thing about the Cowboys defense. Trayvon Diggs can play. He looks great, man. He, great he job. looks really, really good. <laughs> he looks really I, good. I mean, he and doing a bunch of different stuff too, right? Yep. I mean, obviously, like the pick six is him just that's split recognition. That's making a play downhill. But watching him even in man coverage, there was a play he had to track Devontae Smith all the way across the field in man coverage and just navigating traffic. And the way that he undercut the route made Hurts, he was he really wanted to go there. Yep. Pumped it, couldn't, went to the second level of the flood concept, incompletion, punt. It just yep. little stuff like that where, man, 6'1", 205, tracking Devontae Smith all the way across the field like that. It's like, all right, this guy is – he might be real. Like that yeah. he is doing some really cool stuff. To be able to put him on receivers of such different body types too. Yes. Like he's, he's covering Mike Evans in week one. I mean, it's just so many different ways they've been using him. I'm really excited to see where he goes from here because he's been fantastic. Obviously, like the interceptions are great, but even play in and play out, he looks really, really good right now, which is super exciting if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and that's why they can do some pressure stuff. When you can trust one of the guys to lock another guy down, that really helps. You think Rex Ryan loved Darrell Rivas for all those years because he was (laughs) like, hey, I can bring whatever and you can lock down number one. Sweet. Like, you know, that that's that's a defense coordinator's best friend. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, you think there are going to be some points in the Cowboys-Panthers game. Let's get to the Cardinals-Rams game. I want to say the over-under for this is 55, which shouldn't be surprising. You have, in my opinion, the best offense in the league right now in the Rams. They're first in offensive DVOA. The Cardinals are eighth. Obviously, we know what Kyler Murray has done. I thought what you wrote this week about the Rams using empty was so interesting. And I looked at some of the numbers. They lead the league in empty dropbacks. 36 attempts from empty for the Rams this year, which, and the, the biggest difference though, which is something that you mentioned on your Substack, the silent count, people should go read it if they have not read it. It's a really interesting look at the way the Rams are using some of this stuff. When the Rams went empty last year, it was what we expect from empty, right? Get the ball out of your hands, dink, dunk, quick, extension yes. of the run game. Now they're going empty to like bombs away, blitzkrieg yes. people. And that's really scary. And it is just so emblematic of what Matthew Stafford has given to their offense. When you were looking at some of the stuff that they were doing out of empty this week, what really jumped out to you? Just exactly what you said. It used to be before they would get an empty on the third down to run a screen, like one of those tunnel screens, the tight end outside or receiver outside, and everyone wadded up, and hopefully it's third and seven. We get the first down. You know, Someone makes a play. That was truly going. Sure, Goff, please don't mess this up for us. That's truly what they're doing. They're just like deflating the ball. That was their version of it. And now they're getting into these empty sets to attack, like you said. It's they're running sail. They're running dagger. They're running. And this is from empty. This is deep, deep, deep concepts. These are seven-step drop concepts. They're running from empty. How they're able to do it is the formation I, I touched on on Sunday night was they're doing a one-by-four formation. They're keeping the tight end, the running back, close to the tackles and using them as chip help. Which yep. teams do. Teams teams do it. They get into empty and they do this. But the formation, why I thought it was interesting was their stat the standard formation was one by four as opposed to a traditional empty set, which is a three by two set. And so I thought that was just I was like, why are they doing that? Like why what was the reason? And you get a lot of tells. You get a man zone tell who's covering the tight end, who's covering Higby. You know, if uh, if you have a safety out there, a linebacker out there, like the Bucks would have Levante David on him, it's like, well, we're probably getting man here. If you have a corner over there, well, we're probably getting zone because he would travel if it was not. Um, and then also just getting into these sets, you're getting a natural overload. And you see on those. That's concepts, the coolest part about it is that now just, with those four guys on that side, you can still flood the zone while yes. also giving yourself more time with the chip help. It's yeah. really cool. <laughs> I know. And I know. And it just enforces the defense because they don't know. They see empty. You think the linebacker. Yeah. Go, hey, this is that one by four uh, formation that Nate Tice was talking about. No, they just go, <laughs> hey, empty, 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 empty. And they make the empty check. And usually empty checks are really safe coverages. So now it's like, hey, I'm getting a basic ass coverage and I get time to drop back and I got awesome receivers just finding these soft spots. Yeah, it's kind of a fun tweet. I, I've been very curious. Now we got three games in. Teams have three games of, uh, to, of game planning now uh, of what you did against all these formations, what you did on third down, what you did in the red zone. 
I want to see how the defenses adjust. And then I want to see what McVay has next out of it. Because he already showed one twist where he had Deshaun Jackson run a crosser as opposed to an over route. And they ran the mesh concept and then it popped out wide open on the other side because the Bucks had adjusted before that. So that's one one little thing. And not only that, the Cooper Cup in the backfield stuff, like all of a sudden they did a new twist on that. They had him in the backfield. Bucks defense is going, Cups in the backfield. They motioned him, just run a tight end screen to Higby, touchdown, walk in, touchdown. It's like one page ahead, just one page ahead. And that's when you have a quarterback, when you don't have to live in the boot world, the play action world, and you can just get to this cool shit and you know it's going to go to the right place. That's what unlocks. You don't hit that rut when it's like, hey, we're down 10 points. They're not They're not coming up on the play action. They're not coming up on the boot. It's like, oh, well, screw it. Let's go empty. Hey, Matt, find us a throw. Let's go. <laughs> Let's take the top off the coverage, buddy. Like they could have scored even more points if Matthew Stafford underthrew a post route to Deshaun, which I've never, like, I can't believe I just said that word, that phrase that he underthrew somebody. And then another one where he was getting hit, like they had another wide open touchdown in the back corner. He got hit right before it. And so that offense is just clicking. They have the number one passing DVOA right now on offense, which is just, you it's not surprising it, at all. Well, you know what his yeah. numbers are out of empty? Those 36 dropbacks? Oh, probably just ridiculous. 26 of 36 for 350 yards and four touchdowns. He's averaging 0.5 EPA per point out of, out empty. of empty. And it's it's really interesting because bringing it all back to this game. Yeah. The Cardinals defense has been good, right? Cardinals defense has really made some splash plays often. Yeah. They are the wrong type of defense to slow down this offense because they are not disciplined. And they are not disciplined in several different ways. Their run defense has objectively not been good this year. They struggle to fit the run. They've done it multiple. They struggled against the Vikings. They did not stop the run well against even the Jags last week. Yeah. The Rams, even though they're not doing a lot of this where they're just running the ball a ton, being under center, playing the boot game, they still can. Yes. Like if they, if there's an option for them to line up and run the ball with this team if they want to. But the other side of the discipline, outside of all that eye candy and moving pieces and things to pay attention to, the Cardinals struggled last week when the Jags would flood some of those zones. Yep. Passing stuff off, the touchdown in the back corner to Marvin Jones, those are just routes where you're attacking one side of zone coverage with multiple receivers, and their communication with some of those younger corners is not very good right now. Yes. So there are multiple levels on which this Rams team is the perfect offense to take advantage of of just how not on the same page this Cardinals defense can be from time to time. Well, the one thing that takes advantage of, or a few things that take advantage of like off-ball linebackers and bad eyes is like split zone or jet motion and putting some eye candy right before the snap. And guess what the Rams do? Like every snap in the run game. And it's like, that's what the Cardinals are, like these linebackers. And I like Zayvon Collins. Jordan Hicks is okay, but like they don't have great eyes. They 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 are going to, they're, they see the meat and they go like they are. They just can't help themselves. And this this offense predicated itself before Stafford got there on misdirection and and getting guys leaning and counterpunching the other way, which is their staple concepts with zones, making everything look the same. And same with those corners. Like you said, the flooded concepts, that's what they love to run. I th- I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stack and bunch formations from this Rams Rams uh, offense. That's going to just switch release these guys to death yep. and make, make them communicate. Just- Make him just make him talk. Yep. That's I totally agree. Be. You got a lot of youth up there. And I love JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, what they're doing up front, but they, they too have are lacking discipline in the run game as well. And Pat and run lanes, they're going for those splash plays, which is fine when you're playing 
the Jaguars. <laughs> but uh, you're playing against this juggernaut of an offense that knows how to take advantage of these things. It's going to be it might be a long day for him because it just might be just one after another. All of a sudden, okay, they think they got a bead on something. Here comes a screen coming the other way. Okay, oh, well, we know the screen's coming out there. Okay, they're running stick. Oh, my God, they're just pounding us with stick. And I got a switch concepts. Like, I just could see that happening and unfolding where they're, again, they're a page behind. It's it's going to be very, very interesting to see this defense try and, and keep up with this offense for an entire, for 60 minutes. Like, it really is. Like, they're going to have a couple big plays. I'm sure they'll get a pick or something, but – might be some long drives of eight to 12 yard gains where it's just like, oh my God, like, can they even stop a bootleg? Oh, <laughs> see, I, I think I'm going the other way. I think You're there's going to be like 40, 50 yard touchdowns where they just, they just look totally might lost. Like, I, I just, that would not surprise me at all. Oh, the palms it, ups. The palms it, up. Where oh, there's gonna, I think there's going to be a lot of just staring at each other, shaking their heads based on what's happened over the first three weeks. I, it is so fun to think about a Rams offense and say, I don't know what they're going to look like. Yeah. Because it could be anything. They on any given week if they want to come out and they want to play under center and they want to be play action heavy the way they've been, they probably can, but if they want to do the exact opposite of that and live in the shotgun, just sling it around like they did last week, they can do that too. And that and, is just a really scary proposition for defenses that, because that's, that's not how it used to be. And that's why I was getting so excited with the McVay stuff. Like they were like, okay, Stafford likes to be in the gun. Okay. Cause we, hey, we actually have a real quarterback that can like see these things. So let's put him in the gun. And so rather McVay go, I'm like, well, we'll still just run the ball from under center. He's like, okay. I, I, I pointed this out on the sub stack was that they have a couple now more runs out of the gun and they're tying it in together. Have to, but they're yep. good at them. It's not like they just did them just to do them. They're like, hey, we, hey, we tied a hey, tendencies. We, hey, we got it covered. It's like, no, they're popping five, six, seven, eight yard runs. They're just, staying ahead of the sticks and then they just go okay let's drop back now <laughs> let's get back to the fun stuff and let's, let's put up some points on the, on the scoreboard on the other side of the ball is there anything that you've seen from the cardinals offense outside of just kyler making plays that leads you to believe they're headed in the right direction and that they could possibly kind of break the levy here against a rams defense that's been really good so far this year it Helps have Rodney Hudson. I will say that. Uh, yeah, their Christian line Kirk- actually looks pretty good. Looks I mean, it, it has been much improved. I think that they're getting uh, – Justin Pugh's look pretty good. Their, le- yep. their left side with Rodney Hudson. I've actually been impressed with the way their offensive line has played. Most of those pressures and everything have been coverage sacks or coverage pressures where it's – and that's why I get on Cliff a little bit is guys aren't popping open uh, where I think they think they are. And so it's not been a leaky old line going like oh every guy looking back i'm like oh shoot what, what just happened there so uh, yeah i i do think the old line's been fine um i i think with this this rams unit there or i'm sorry sorry this cardinals offense against this rams unit where has jalen ramsey been the last few weeks in the slot right mm-hmm. where's coward where's coward making some of his damage it's like in that little intermediate area and now that's what you have jalen ramsey around the ball now you have him moving around he's going to be a lot more of a threat i think um, for the Kyler scramble stuff from the slot than outside, just because he's going to have more eyes everywhere to be able to affect a play. And I know that's one player, but this is a smart defensive unit. Jordan Fuller is a very smart player. They still have Aaron Donald. We haven't even talked about Aaron Donald yet. Um, so it's like this is a, a unit that can get after these guys and make them play disciplined. Really, the Cardinals, that's really the sum of the game is a disciplined unit versus undisciplined unit. That's really what it is. It's explosive undisciplined versus explosive and disciplined. If the Rams can just play their game and not get frustrated when Kyler does make a play, I'm sure he'll have one or two. 
just play within themselves and just let, I think as this game goes along, there'll be enough mistakes, enough three and outs, enough frustrating drives for the Cardinals where they can just eke out, uh, not eke out, but stay ahead and go, go away with this game. But it's going to be fun. I, I think there's just going to be a lot of big plays. I really do. There's going to be some of those scramble plays. There might be a strip sack from Aaron Donald when Cowers running around. Could be anything with this game. It really could. It's magic eight ball. The one thing that is interesting to me watching just the way the Cardinals offense is operating, Kyler looks really good in intermediate middle of the field on play action. Like you just you think about a, a young short quarterback like that, that's typically not an area of the field that they're effective at attacking. He, they do a really good job of that. I mean, he's averaging 10.66 yards per attempt on shotgun play action throws this year. And the Rams defense, that's actually one area where they haven't been very good this season. Teams are 18 of 23 for 8.83 yards per attempt with play action against the Rams this year. So, I mean, that's just just something to watch, just something to think about, because that's like that. Again, that's just an aspect where I just didn't expect a 5'10 quarterback. Obviously, they're playing doing it from the gun. So it's a little bit different. But like the ball, he puts a Christian Kirk on that over last week against Jacksonville. That's a beautiful throw. And like their ability to attack on that. I also just think he's playing at a really high level. He is like they, whatever they're asking him to do. There was a play, just a really subtle thing. It was a play. I think it was a play action throw early in the game against Jacksonville. They had a little concept to the front side. He didn't like it. Flips his hips, hits AJ Green on a slant on the backside, hits him in the hands and drops it. But it's just a missile. I mean, it's just a great play on time. Like Kyler is very exciting. Like obviously the. He's going to make splashy plays and the highlights are there. I think he's playing quarterback really well right now, which is really cool to watch. I completely agree. Uh, that And that's the thing. I don't want my ragging of the Cardinals offense to be a ragging on Kyler. It's it's more. <laughs> I just think that it's like, it could be so much more. I think that's why I'm frustrated. It's like it could because he is he's playing fantastic. I mean, he single handedly won them the Vikings game. Uh, I mean, really, he did like he created so much for him in that game. And even last week, just doing the stuff like, I mean, they go on the goal line. They don't even pretend that they're going to try to actually run the ball. They just shift the running back to seal the edge so Kyler can keep it on a lonesome run. Like that's they've just totally just said, screw it. Like, this is our guy. Like, let's just go. Please score for us. And fine. That's fine. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, as a good coach, you're supposed to accentuate your, your matchups. But he is playing at a high level. So that's why. When I get negative on the Cardinals' offense, I don't want—I don't want to be a negative reflection on a uh, Kyler Murray or a Rodney Hudson, my, two of my favorites. <laughs> Kyler, just one more thing uh, on shotgun on play action throws out of the shotgun: eighty-one point three percent completions on the on Jesus. the season. It, it's it's going pretty well for them when they do that, and obviously they're them and the Ravens are in their own world when it comes to yeah. play action shotgun throws because a lot of it is pistol. It's a huge part of their offense. So the Ravens are number one. In play action attempts out of the shotgun, the Cardinals are number two. So it's it's a little bit different with them than it is for most teams because that's their running game. Their real running game is yes. so much out of the shotgun. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to a pretty huge AFC West game here on Monday night. Another yeah. game that looks looks a little more interesting now than it might have coming into the season based on the way that the, the Raiders are playing. The Chargers and the Raiders, I am thrilled to watch this one. I went back and I watched the Chiefs-Raiders game, or the Chiefs-Chargers game again from last week. What a rocky, fighting, right-handed game plan from Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill. Just say, you know what? We're going to play man today. Like, that's what we're going to do. To come out and play six, two-thirds of their snaps were in man coverage after playing man at one of the lowest rates in the league over the first two games. I don't know how many times you'll be able to spring that on the Chiefs, but to watch it happen in real time, it was kind of jarring. Obviously, the Chiefs get theirs, they, but I think it snuck up on them a little bit where just one, two, three errant throws, one, two, three mistakes, and that's what you need against this team. I kind of wish they had saved it for a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> and and not done it now, but it was still real. It was one of those things where it's like, ah, that is sneaky. I really like that a lot, especially after we saw what happened last year when the Ravens tried to run man against them in, the, in the, like week two, I think it was, and the Chiefs just ran them out of the gym. Like that's what's so funny is like sometimes you, hey, when we talk about leaning into the punch, man, sometimes you just have to go like total galaxy brain on this and go, hey, I think that he thinks that I think I'm going to run zone. So let's go, man. Like, you know, like that, that's a, it's a level of like rock, paper, scissors you get to. Um, well, I was looking at it. I was trying to see. It was like, is there were there hints of this? So I went back and I looked at it today because Ronaldo Hill, it's really interesting because obviously Brandon Staley comes from the Rams, but this defensive staff is very well equipped to plan for teams from the AFC West because Staley spent that year with the, with the Broncos. But then mm-hmm. Ronaldo Hill was with Denver as recently as last year. And what he was telling me, during training camp, when I was talking to him, he said that the Chiefs kind of pushed our development on defense in this system because we had to account for them in so many ways. So yeah. the way that we've grown was pushed in large part by the way that Kansas City plays. So when I went back and I looked at it, I was like, did they play more man last year when Denver played them? Like, Then they didn't. So there was nothing that would lead you to believe that this was going to be their game plan. I was just looking to see. I was like, did I, did I like miss the breadcrumbs here a little bit? I know. Thankfully, I did not. I was going to say, I watched both of those games on film. I didn't see that. <laughs> so I know I've been fraudulent. Uh, but it, it's that's such a great point you brought up about just innovations. I mean, cover two, not only – I think I've said this to you before. Yeah, I did. It, is Cover two – Obviously, it came from the Tampa. People had to run it before, but it kind of got cranked up because Tampa was like, how do we cover this guy, Randy Moss, from the Vikings back when they were in the <laughs> NFC Central together? Like, So we have to cloud one side, blah, 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 leads to, leads to more cover two calls, and that leads to a whole thing. My dad, on the flip side, when he was with the Vikings, the old line coach and, and Brian Bilk was the offensive coordinator, they used to scream down John Lynch because this, this before they were in cover two so much, scream down John Lynch on these outside runs because he was the force player. And they're like, how do we come up with a new run? So they came up with like a tackle pull play with, uh, at the time, Jeff Christie. And he would kind of roll out. He'd kick out John Lynch, blah, blah, blah. It was like, a, it was, a, I don't know. I'm just going to call it center pull. Uh, did I say tackle pull? I should say center pull play with Jeff Christie. 
and that was kick out, but they had to because John Lynch was blowing up every single outside run that they tried to run. So they just like, we're just going to make something up. All right. Center pole, boom, kick out, became like a center trap kind of thing. Da, 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 da. But sometimes that's what happens is you're like, how do we beat this? And that's how you get innovations. All these switch verticals that we're seeing all the time now, that came from all the cover three match concepts that we we're seeing. I mean, you Seattle. can just see the Broncos doing it to them in 2012. Like, I just yep. see it in my yes. mind. I remember exactly that game it. vividly. Yep. Yep. And then everyone's like, hey, oh, that's pretty good. And Peyton's running it. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And now we get tweaks. And then people see North Dakota State running it with Carson Wentz. And everybody's scouting Carson Wentz. And so they see the RB seam, you know, all go RB seam. So everyone steals that because they're like, hey, that could be match coverages too. So it's just funny how like sometimes you get in a rut and you have to find something that works. You're just like, how do we change this up like to make it work? But it's that's what's fun about football. Um, I, I'm very curious, though, is – how much heavy personnel the the Raiders in are on offense? Their run game isn't great. They have it not, is it is it, not. Yep, it has been shockingly bad. And I I even kind of like said it offhand. Uh, I was on a different show and I was like, you know, and they get the, they get these lighter boxes if they want to go vertical and they could just pound the rock on you. And so I started watching the run game. It's like it's not it hasn't been good, but it's kind of one of those games where it's a, a stoppable force versus a movable object mm-hmm. because the the Chargers run defense isn't the greatest. Like that's been one of their weaknesses so far, especially in the interior. So I'm curious what happens there. Do the Raiders lean into that or do they just say, Hey, we're going heavy. We're going vertical with it because it is a fun passing attack what the Raiders are doing, but they're trying to go so vertical, so down the field with everything that this is a defense. If they don't play man, like they did last week, if they play what we think a Staley defense is, they're going to try and limit that. So it's like, it's almost, it might be a little uglier offensive game from the Raiders than maybe you first think. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm very, I want to see what Staley does now that we know that he has changeups that he's going to throw at these divisional opponents that you can, cause you're playing them twice in a year. So I'm curious what he leans into. Is he going to do what he did the first two weeks? Is he going to do what he did the last week? Is it going to be something different? Are they going to run a cover two? Are they going to run two man? Like not worried about Derek Carr scrambling. That's the type of things. I, I think the key for them, though, obviously, is just to get the third down and, and just limp those explosive plays, get the third down, because the Raiders want to live in 12, 21, 22 personnel. Make them get into 11. Make them go, hey, we know they're going Waller, Renfro on the slots, wad it up in the middle, make someone on the outside beat us, Edwards or Rucks. And I think that's what you want to get to with the Chargers defense. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that the Chargers don't want to play against in heavy personnel they want to play with all those defensive backs on the field they want to have those personnel groupings that they can play in and if you can try to get that out of them by just running the ball consistently but that's also what the chargers want you to think yeah that's the whole point of this is that that's the entire basis of the way that they play yeah is if you come if your answer is well we're just going to run the ball in their minds we've won already that's exactly what we want you to think the way they played man last week i thought was interesting because they still play with a decent amount of those two high shells, and they would play the robber. Mm-hmm. One of those safeties would just drop down. So they're coming from depth. So even though they're playing man coverage, they still have that shell to kind of give them an advantage of playing a little bit deeper, which is really cool to watch. It feels like, and I don't know if this is anecdotal, if you agree with this, when I've watched more teams play just a like cover one this year, it seems like they're playing more robber rather than having the linebacker be the whole player because it just it protects you protects you from yes. those deep crossers down the field. It almost serves a similar purpose in my like amateur mind to what playing quarters does where you're dropping one of those safeties down into the crosser. So yeah. it just lim- a way one of limiting mil. explosive plays while playing man coverage. 
one million percent. I, I I've noticed it too, and also just the rules everybody's playing with. It's not just the traditional robber where the guys read nice and just the passing off that these teams are doing. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, like uh, yep. crossers and overs. It, it really is because well, they were keeping eyes on Hill more than anything else, rather yes. than the quarterback they're catching them. Yeah, yes. they're trying to. They're trying to. They're looking up routes. And, and actually, going back to the Rams example uh, uh, against the Bucks, like it wasn't man, but it, it was a quarters where. The backside safety for the Bucks was looking up. Uh, it was Woods on this play, but it was Deshaun Jackson before on the over route and Cup on the over route. And then Cup runs a sale route coming back because he's selling the over going back. That's why you see a lot of sale routes this year as well is because sale and overs are the counters to each other. They are the, the mm-hmm. yin and yang of those routes. They're, the sale sells the over and comes back out. So well, also, if teams are going to be playing more zone, if yes. teams are going to be playing more too high in quarters, if yes. you run that guy off, then you can come back to the sideline. Right on, on top. All, and then you run the flat underneath and the guy sinks. It's all on a string, man. Isn't it great? I know. I know. And then also these things click. And then now it's like, well, now the defense knows that. Now you have to get to the third step. <laughs> and usually the third step, you know what it is? Bombs away. That's what it is. It's like, hey, they're going to sit on that and you're going to go over the top of them. But going back to the original point, it, it's uh, also shout out uh, Nasir Adderley. Uh, uh, yeah. Or, Oh my God, he's playing phenomenal football. I think other people are starting to point him out as well. But he, after Washington, we talked about him, but he is really, really unlocked in this defense. And you can see his athleticism and and his he has no qualms of filling the run. He's coming all the way, shooting down to the line of scrimmage. When you have guys that can move like that, safeties that have that athleticism and also that football IQ, that's why you can do some of this robber stuff. You're You're highlighting your good players. When you do this stuff. And I think there's just a lot of good safeties right now and good coaches that are putting them in good spots. So I think that's why you're seeing that as well. Well, that's one. That's the thing, right? Isn't it amazing that you have all of these defensive backs playing the best football of their career as soon as this coaching staff gets there? Oh, Asante Samuel's Samuel's good. And Chris Davis is playing well. And Asir Adderley's like really found his footing as a safety. Oh, shocking how that works. Sometimes like when you have good coaches – the best you bring the best spot of your players. It really You're helps. Amazing right? how that works. It really is, helps. I think very similar to the story about the Raiders' offense. Yeah. Right. I mean, like it's the same thing we see with them consistently here. So I think that tug and pull of the Raiders being this kind of vertical team that's really burned teams down the field. The Chargers being built to stop that. The Chargers wanting to live in sub personnel. The Raiders wanting to get you out of sub personnel. I think that's really kind it's of fun. the push and pull. <laughs> Of this yeah. game. It's going to be a really interesting who's gonna battle blank? to watch. It's who's going to blank. That's what it is. Who's going to adjust first? Who's going to go, ah, oh, shit, they got us out of what we want to do. That's really what it's going to become. So it, it's that's always fun. I mean, not no exaggeration. One of the best defensive coaching staffs in the NFL with what the Chargers are doing against one of the best offensive coaching staffs in the NFL. Like what the Raiders have done with Gruden here over the last couple of years. It was all a matter of can, can we turn it up one notch? Can we get a little bit more from from rugs can we get a little bit more from edwards can we get a little bit more from our quarterback in these specific ways but the structure of the offense has been very cool for the last couple seasons and i think that now you're seeing the best possible version of it so gruden against daly and ronaldo hill it's going to be must see tv for me all right let's stick in the afc west i wanted to talk about the broncos defense because we were so excited about them coming into the year I just thought their personnel was great. Obviously, you know, we have all the respect in the world for Vic Fangio, and they're playing really well. You know, they're yeah. fifth in defensive DVOA. It helps when you've had the schedule they've had, right? So their first three <laughs> games of the year against the Giants, 
the Jags and the Jets, which is nice, nice. But I still think that there's a lot to be excited about over there. So when you're thinking about that Broncos, de- just first of all, what, what has jumped out to you about the Broncos defense? Players, the way they've structured it, what has been to you the most notable pieces of what they've been defensively? Oh, my God. They have so many good players. I think that's Yeah, they one. really they do. Get, <laughs> <laughs> they have so many good players. Like, usually, really de- usually I watch a defense, especially I'll just my eyes will drift to one guy, maybe two guys. You know, here it's like I just want to watch everything. It's like, oh, Von Miller. Oh, oh, Draymond Jones is like one of my new favorite players. Like the he's been tackle. awesome. He's looks fantastic. Like the it, it's helped. I mean, Chubb's out, so that but like him ascending has helped. Uh, uh, you know, make that loss of Chubb. You know, you could swallow it a little easier. But also the linebackers playing well. Uh, but also just the DBs or or just how fast they play. We're talking about having the high IQ and getting these guys. Reading the not just reading the eyes, reading the route concepts, watching like you know Kareem Jackson come down and just I, I view Kareem Jackson as a hitter and just coming down. He's a great run filler, but also seeing him read eyes. Not it's not Simmons, you know. It's and and passing stuff off, and all of them are on the same exact page. They are so well coached, and it's a real pain in the ass to go against this unit because they got like we were talking about the uh, the Panthers defense is they got enough meat enough beef in the middle but then they also have this guy named von miller who looks fantastic again on the outside and is like basically unblockable right now the sack and that he had when they tried to chip him it, you you tweeted out the gif of it and i was watching the game again for people who have not seen it the running back tries to chip him he decides to go around the chip as a pass rusher that is bad football yeah. to take that wide of a path to the quarterback it's mitigated when you can bend your body sideways and almost be touching the ground with your shoulder and get underneath a six foot tackle. When you can create that angle back to the quarterback, you can get as wide as you want to and lose no speed. The and man lose. just breaks rules. Like it he just does. breaks rules. And yeah, I am so glad is. he's playing at a high level again. And I it's, too. you mentioned the, the, the defensive backs, just how well coached they are. It's funny because they're just doing Fangio stuff, right? Yep. They they are, I want to say, like more than half of their zone snaps, like maybe even like two-thirds of them have been cover six. Yeah. So they're running, which for people who don't know, is quarters on one side, cover two on the other side. Two and plus four they, equals it's six. It's just, <laughs> as a defense, as an offense, the problem is you don't know which side is which. So that's... They're doing this all the time, but you don't know until the play starts which is which. And that's why when you live in that cover two, sh- that too high shell, you can play anything you want. So they're doing this coverage more than anything else. But because those guys are so well coached, they can get away with it. Even yep. Sertan instantly already has a feel so for where he's supposed to be. So obviously he's big and he, um, his physical profile is incredible. If they want to play him as that press guy with Fuller off, they can do that. But even when he's playing cover two, like his sense of how to sink into things and spacing, playing two guys at once, it's amazing watching their secondary player now. And they're not even at full strength. I think yeah. when they get Darby back, because that's one of the things. Uh, if they can play all four of those corners together, I think that's when they could really start doing some stuff because their safety depth isn't great. So they don't really have those personnel packages to throw at you the way some of these other teams do because they're not as deep there. When they can get all their corners back and shove back, that's when they can really start cooking. Also, they're missing Josie Jewell because that's another spot where 
they're going to struggle to cover at linebacker. That to me is the one like real significant weakness in their defense right now. Yeah. And, and also like stepping up for them, like Bryce Callahan was playing in a slot for him. And this is kind of speaks to the difference between a well-coached unit and just a unit going like, Hey, we're going to run this guy's stuff. Um, like they're, they're, they're last week, uh, uh against the, uh, uh, no, it wasn't the Jacks against the Jets, the Jets. They, yeah, against the Jets. They ran the split zone bubble that everybody runs and, and everybody's especially run this year against Fangio defenses, the two high defenses. And Wilson throws the bubble. Bryce Callahan, I've seen this already happen to several defenses, including, you know, Devontae Smith blocking uh, uh, A.J. Terrell in week one against the Falcons. Those defenders are taught to turn things back in. You're taught to get outside leverage on your block. Don't get pinned. Uh, So if you're I'm talking about the offenses, offensive side. So if you don't get pinned, you don't want that bubble to race to the sideline because that guy can just get upfield and just go. You want to turn it back to your your help defenders. They're all coming in from the line of scrimmage and coming that way. Bryce Callahan, who's a backup, he fought so hard to keep outside leverage when he was getting blocked. I think Corey Davis was blocking him. And he's fighting. Corey Davis is a good, good receiver blocker. Fighting, fighting. And he was willing to get pancaked, but he was like, you are not getting outside leverage on me. And he fought it, fought it, turns back eight, only turns into a three-yard gain. If he doesn't get it, that thing might have scored like because there's nobody to help on the outside. That is the difference between a well-coached unit and not. He This backup slot guy knew what he was doing. He was just like, you know what? I, I, I know exactly what I have to do on this. This is my role on this play. It might, it's not pretty. I'm not getting the tackle. In fact, it looks like I'm getting pancaked. But he fought so hard. He fought for like 10 yards against Corey Davis on this. And it was so good. But that's what how well-coached this unit is. And you were talking about the linebackers. And that is one of their weaknesses at this point. They're playing fine. They're playing actually pretty well right now. Again, got to know the offenses they're going against. But the thing is, everyone knows what they have to do. They know it's like, hey, it's not my play. I'm going to hit this hole. I'm going to hit this gap because I know the other guy's going to make the tackle. The other guy's going to win. And, and that's how why everyone's playing so fast. We talk about the Chargers defense. All of a sudden, these DBs are all playing really fast. It's because they know what to do. They know what to look for. That's what good coaching is. And honestly, on the flip side of it, is sometimes you see that with pers- or, or offensive line. It's like, wow, they have some good players. Why do they look so struggles? Because those offensive linemen are guessing. They have no yeah. idea what the protections are. They, they're they like, I think this is the blitz. Listen, I know exactly what that looks like right now. <laughs> yeah, we. I think I think everybody does after this week. <laughs> but last I, thing I want – I'm curious against what it's going to look like against Lamar. It's going to be fun. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. How yeah. do you think that this defense stacks up to the way that the Ravens are playing right now? Well, it's really fun watching the Lions tape against Lamar and then now because you can translate it a little bit against what the Broncos want to do uh, as far as structure and everything. That's what I thought. I thought the Broncos are a better version of that. I think the Broncos defense matches up great against this, uh, against this Ravens offense because they have off-ball linebackers, which is what that, that's what they like to be. They like to have the linebackers off the ball as opposed to up on the edges, and that helps against what the Ravens do. The Ravens want all the movement stuff. They want all the pullers. That's what they did do. This Lions game plan was a, totally different, but that's what they want to do. Those linebackers, which is the weakness of this Broncos defense, have good eyes now. Well, in coverage, though, place. in coverage, that it's a weakness. I, Johnson plays downhill extremely well, and that's yeah. I think that's the benefit is that against the run, I think he might be okay. But that's what they're. That's what this Ravens defense they're going to take. That's what they like to take advantage of. Is also in those linebackers, especially if you have to be up on the ball, and also like you're going left, right. Oh, they're polar, and now you have to wham the polar and turn stuff back inside. Their off ball, like you said, is like he can play the run. That's why I'm saying they match up really well against that. And then pass wise, 
Um, Ravens still have issues of guys running the same routes, uh, guys being right next to each other. It, it's unbelievable. I don't know if it's Mark Andrews. It might be Mark Andrews. Like, honestly, it, it might be him. Like, I'm, I'm starting to figure out who's messing these plays up. You're, you're so mad. You're just I think it's him. He They ran a Y cross on a play action. He ran the cross that was supposed to be an over route. He ran it at four yards. And the dig, and so Lamar's like looking for him. Like, where the hell are you? Oh, you're at the line of scrimmage? Because he's looking for him. So I'm, I think it's him. Like, that, I'm, I'm getting a, it's been three years now. I'm going to figure out who's messing up these route concepts for Lamar. But this defense. You got to put on your detect your detective cap. Just got to do a little Sherlock Holmes thing. It's like, all right, what is wrong with this? Who is, what is wrong? fucking this up? Reverse engineering the shit. That's what I'm doing. But it, it's, I, I, I do think this Broncos defense matches up great against them. I, I do. Uh, and honestly, they're going to limit big plays. If they want to make them pay in the passing game, they got a lot of bodies. They're going to like, we, we talked about those guys looking up over routes and crossers. What do the Ravens like to do over routes and crossers? Like they are keyed into this type of stuff. So they're going to force Lamar to probably throw some sail balls, throw things deep and outside, or just take checkdowns, which Lamar doesn't really do. He'd prefer to scramble, and that's what the Ravens' offensive scheme doesn't really ask them to do. So I think it's a hard, hard matchup for uh, for this Ravens' offense. What a week. So much good stuff <laughs> to watch. It is going to be one hell of a football Sunday, and that's why we spent a lot of time chewing on it. But it is time to get to Shield. It's time to get to this week's picks. Let's make it happen. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, it's time now for this week's pick segment. Thrilled to welcome our good friend Shokapati to the show. Shiel, how did you do last week? I, I'm not up to date on how the pick segment is going. I actually am, but I, I wanted you to tell the people how you're doing. It wasn't great. I was one and two, but I can tell you that you know if you're doing it responsibly, the joy of sports betting is if you know in this room I sit in a chair here to my right. Dolphins Raiders. Late game. I can tell you the one time I've gotten up out of that chair and given myself a fist bump is when, you know, fist pound to myself, Jacoby Brissett getting in there on fourth and goal and getting me that Dolphins force in overtime and getting me at least one game last week. Eh, most people wouldn't say that was the most exciting play of the 2021 NFL season, but uh, I would disagree. That kept me alive. <laughs> I just love, I love at it. least Nate and I don't have families. <laughs> Like, we could just live and die with these moments because we have nothing else in our lives. Like, you have children. And I'm just imagining you, like, in that office yelling because the dolphins <laughs> covered as your kids are like, what is dad doing in there? There, there definitely have been sporting events where my daughter is like, why are you rooting for this golf? Like, why do you really like this golfer? <laughs> well, you know, I, you don't need to get into it. Just watch and root for the guy daddy's rooting for, you know? That's how it works. Oh, He's my favorite God, golfer today. today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you have a favorite one, we can make him our favorite one for the next tournament. You know, that's how you, wow. that's how you work it. What an education for those kids. Nate. Where were you at last week? I, I went two and one. So we're, 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 we're chipping away, baby. We're again, we're going 66%, man. Like I, I love it. It's like a bad free throw That's shooter, good. but it, it's, it's no, I, I'm very much enjoying it. I, I, I've gotten smart with 
finding a couple of these picks and actually following what I say on these shows and actually, you know, actually putting monetary prices on them. <laughs> and so that's, you know, these Vi- the Vikings game and the Cowboys game Monday night were just both very, very fun. I've never been Monday night. I usually kind of take, take it easy. Don't take too many notes, but tell you what, I was enthralled with that Monday night game. <laughs> Especially when the count, that first Dak play, all of a sudden the fumble in the end zone. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This should be a blowout. Uh, but yeah, worked out okay. We're okay. Two and one, you know, still chipping away. So hopefully we can keep it going this week. See, that's the thing. Hold on. But Shield, so, Shield, Shield, Shield's kids are growing up with sports betting. I grew up with horse betting. So I would, my, that used to be our family excursion was going to the track and like betting horses. So I, I turned out okay. Right, Shield? So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? That makes me feel yes. great. <laughs> Says the guy cursing at his TV at the Dak Prescott sack fumble. I'm sure your kids are going to be just fine, Shield. Gambling just is just fine. the one vice I've never had. I, I I didn't grow up with it. I my dad. I don't think I, my dad ever put money on a game of any kind. I just gambling was never a thing that happened. Like even now when we go to Vegas, it's like I'll play blackjack for a while and I'll bet on sports, but. I've never lived and died with it like some people do. So, Nate, at least you come by it honestly. I mean, I've seen yeah. your family in a horse ra- horse racing context. Like, you didn't have a choice. Yes. You were always going to end up like this. Born into it. I I should be a 12-year-old explaining what an exacta box is to adults. Like, <laughs> that's that was my childhood. <laughs> so, after last week... We're sitting at Nate with six points on the year, Shield with three and a half. For the people that are unfamiliar with the scoring system, picking three games a week, you get one point if you get the game right, zero if you get it wrong. Every week, these guys have a chance to designate one game as their lukewarm lock of the week. You can get three points if you get that right, one negative one if you get it wrong. Shield, you may have to pull the ripcord here soon, buddy. You're digging yourself a hole. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to pressure you, but I'm just saying it might be time to try to throw one of those Hail Marys here. I've realized this is like a life issue for me. I don't know what I like and don't like. Like if I'm the worst person, if you're like pick a restaurant, I'm like, I'm not picking a restaurant. Like you picked the, I'll be fine with anything. And that's the deal with these picks. You know, in the column, I was nine and seven last week. I'm 27, 20 and one. I'm feeling good. I just can't pick which games I like. So maybe it will get to a point where I'll just show the picks to my daughter uh, before I come on the show. Pick three, any three. Maybe, you know, Marissa can do it. Maze, you can do it. I don't care. I need someone to pick for me because I clearly don't know what I like and what I don't like, which is why I've been hesitant to do the lukewarm lock of the week. But who knows? After I give out my picks this week, I'm going to see how I'm feeling towards the end of the segment, and maybe I'll just let one rip. All right. Why don't you start us off then? Because you're in the hole here. We need to get you started on the right foot here. There you go. Uh, I'm going to go to a game that I don't think a lot of people will be watching this week, which is, you know, why sports betting was really uh, invented for so, so that somebody will be watching this game. Let's go with the Washington football team traveling to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons, the Washington football oh. team, one point favorites. I look at that Falcons team. They've disappointed me. Uh, they just, to me, I see no uh, no rays of light, even with their win last week against the Giants. Just the way I watched them play, so conservative on offense. 
offensive line can't hold up, don't like their in-game decision-making, don't really like anything about their defense. Uh, so I look at all, I do like, I saw Arthur Smith was growing a, I think it was a go-get-a-win beard, which, you know, that made me rethink my pick a little bit because I do like some of that nonsense that goes on. But still, I look at Washington, obviously not a great team, but I feel like this is a nice matchup for them. Their D-line has not been dominant so far, although, you know, I thought Deron Payne had a very nice game last week uh, against the Bills. That Falcons interior, we know they're vulnerable. We know Matt Ryan's not going to be able to uh, escape pressure. So I just feel like the Falcons, even if they're in control, they're going to be conservative. It's not like they're going to be stepping on Washington's throat if they have a, a lead. And I just think Washington is a better team right now. So uh, I'm going to go with the Washington football team. I saw it as a one-point spread, uh, road favorites, to go down to Atlanta and win that game. Anytime you can bet on a defense <laughs> that got roasted by Daniel Jones two weeks ago and the Giants couldn't move the ball the following week against the Falcons, you have to do it. This is the, You just have to do, do it. it. I absolutely love this. Absolutely love this. I will I say, do this Any- does seem like the type of game where the Washington defense can get back on track a little bit. This is the yeah. exact yeah. right moment. The Falcons came along, at the, came along at the right time for the Washington football team defense. I know Washington just has a little bit more speed, I think, than Atlanta does. So I, I kind of see it the same way Shield does. I'm I'm going with a game that might be a, it's a little more uh, they'll have a little more eyeballs on it, especially on the West Coast. I am going to go with the Rams minus five hosting the Cardinals. Um, this and this spread has bounced up and down a half point, five and a half, four and a half, five. But I, I right now as of this morning, it's at minus five. Um, I just think that the Rams are one of, if not the best team playing right now, as far as a complete team. Um, especially with that performance against the Bucks, I think that was more two evenly matched teams just threat- trading haymakers for a little bit. But I, I, I don't really believe this Cardinals team's yet. Uh, as many people know that listen to this show, I think still the offense is just Kyler do go do some stuff, and it's going against a defense and the Rams that not only has a scheme that's going to make them work for it. But on top of that, actually has star players that can take advantage of this. I think the Vikings defense had a great scheme stopping what the Cardinals wanted to do, but then they weren't able to take advantage. And Kyler was able to just (laughs) go do something funny. And on the flip side, I think this Rams offense is just phenomenal right now. It is so much fun to watch. It's so much fun. Complete game screens, runs, play actions, dropbacks, anything you want to watch. Not really too much boot stuff, which is fine, but... They might be more this week because I think this Cardinals defense, while they have talented players, is very undisciplined right now. Uh, I, yes. I think they're very aggressive. They have their ears pinned back. We, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Robert, but it's just that's just kind of what they are at this point in time. They make plays. They make splash plays, but then there's a whole lot of busts, <laughs> and it's just how they play. Um, they got young linebackers. They got defensive guys that J.J., as much J.J. Watt, he's going to go rogue a little bit just doing what he does, but you take the positive with the negative on that. You know, a team that takes advantage of teams that are going to be way too aggressive and have bad eyes, the L.A. Rams and Sean McVay. And I just don't also think that the receivers uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, Arizona Cardinals corners can keep up with these Rams receivers. Uh, Cooper Cup had a breakout game last week. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, but even with Robert Woods and Deshaun Jackson going deep, Buda Baker is better coming up front as opposed to playing deep. And I, I just think the Rams are a better team. They're at home. I think this might be a touchdown or more win for the Rams, and I'm going with them minus five. Yeah, we dug into that game you know, pretty intensely earlier on the show, and I think that I, I totally understand that. I, I think that they're a bad matchup for this Cardinals team right now, like you said, the discipline issue, which we talked about a lot. I think that's exactly right. All right, Shield, what's your next one here, bud? 
This is one where I just hate myself for going with this. I mean, I keep this dumb notepad, I write games down, and then I say, all right, which three am I actually going to say on air for the millions and millions who uh, who are going to listen to this segment? So I'm going to go back to the fighting Joe Judges, baby. Oh, man. They are, they are a big time Heaven. underdog. Okay. So I had the Giants last week. I was oh. feeling good about it. I mean, I can't. You know, if you watch that game, they're punting. My favorite sequence of last week was when, you know, they had a penalty on fourth and three. The Falcons don't even take the holding. They decline it. You got a fourth and three from the Atlanta 39. Joe Judge then proceeds to uh, punt the ball. And, of course, Joe Judge has been in the news quite a bit uh, th- this week for his uh, commentary about stuffing nerds into lockers and burning, cal- putting calculators on fire and whatever uh, else it was. So anytime you can get, you can back a guy like that on the road against yeah. Just a Sean Payton coach team, you got to do it. But here's the actual reasoning. I mean, I look at it seven and a half points. That is a huge line for against a team that is really just trying to hide their quarterback, which is what the Saints have been doing week in and week out. Now, New Orleans has won a bunch of games with this strategy going back to the last two years when they haven't had Drew Brees. And Sean Payton says, we can lean on the defense. We can lean on the special teams. We can lead, lean on Kamara. The quarterback doesn't have to do much. That was, you know, the game plan last week. And Jameis throws up the prayer, oh which God. was hilarious, gets caught for a touchdown. And then Sean Payton's face on the sideline is hilarious. He's going, what are you doing? Well, I guess we scored a touchdown, so I can't like totally ream you you out right here. But I just don't, you know, I think the Saints are a better team, but I look at it. I don't think the Saints are going to put up a ton of points against this, uh, against the Giants defense. I just think they're going to try to be really conservative and not give the game away. The Giants offense has moved the game, moved the ball in spurts, I feel like. Now, having said that, if they lose by 30 and Daniel Jones turns it over three times and they get completely outcoached, I'll be sitting here again on my chair going, Sheil, you are the bit. What are you doing? Quit that segment. Stop embarrassing yourself. Get out of here. But I looked at it and it, it was just, uh, you know, I, I try to just go with my first instinct on these. I thought it was a big line. Maybe they get a garbage time. Maybe they're down by 14. They get a garbage time touchdown or something mm-hmm. and they cover. So I've got the Giants plus seven and a half at New Orleans. Mays looks, Mays looks like my a disappointed father looking at me right now. Listen. <laughs> and I, I totally understand why. <laughs> we had a very long Giants conversation on Thursday's show with Dan Duggan. And we were talking about the issues plaguing the Giants. And the funniest part about the Giants' struggle so far is that their offense has been okay. It's like a fine yeah. NFL offense and they still can't win a game. It's just brutal. The funniest part of the Jameis throw-it-up play, when you watch the All-22 – Marquez Callaway just runs straight ahead, full speed, directly into the corner and falls down and then has to get up for Jameis to actually throw him the ball. If the Jason Peters butt pass had not happened last week, it would have been the funniest play in the NFL. Thankfully, the Bears took that crown because... No one can touch them. For the crowd three. reaction of that touchdown was unbelievable. There's one Saints fan in the end zone, and he's hilarious <laughs> throughout the whole play. He's probably what Sean Payton was like or anybody watching it. It's like, you got to be kidding me, James. Yeah, touchdown. Yeah. And he's looking at it because a ref took forever to signal it because he was like messing with his other hand. And then also he puts up the other hand and the, the fan just starts jumping up and down. It's this big guy. Oh, my God. I was dying at it. Yeah, great fan reaction. Thank you, Jameis. Jameis has just been a joy. Just the comedy he brings. It was good great. and bad. It was great. It really was. I'm just like watching Marquez really Callaway just run straight into the corner. Just not even in 
slight effort to maneuver around him. I think they called illegal contact. It was going to be a penalty, even if Jameis hadn't yeah. thrown it. But goodness gracious, what a play. All right, Nate, what's your next yeah. one, bud? I am going with a road favorite. And this is this line actually opened less than this, which I pounded Sunday night or Monday morning, whatever one it was. But I'm going with the Chiefs minus seven at the Eagles. And this is a continuation of what I've said about the Eagles the last two weeks. Uh, I'm kind of betting against them um, in the sense that as much as I like Jalen Hurts as a guy, I just don't think he's that guy yet as a real quarterback. Uh, he's struggling to read read the field. Uh, he's a one guy, one one read and go. Hopefully the Eagles have learned their lesson about not running the ball, especially with what was going on in that game. I think this for the Chiefs, though, this is just minus seven on Patrick Mahomes against this Eagles team. It's like, I, I got to take that all day. I don't think the Eagles have the defensive guys to be able to keep up with this team. Um, uh, they're last week, they're trying to go too high and have Avante Maddox in the box. And it's like, oh my God, no, it was just a real struggle. I like Avante Maddox, but that's not what he's good at. And if you're, it's kind of like a little, a lot of, you know, square, square parts for round holes right now with that defense. And I think this is an offense that would take advantage of it. It's minus seven on the road, which I'm never going to be a huge fan of, but it's the chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. I think you're not going to go minus four in the turnover differential every week. They're not going to do that. I think that was a good little punch in the mouth for them. They need a win. They're one and two. The AFC West really, really tough right now. They can't go one and three. I think they just blow the doors off of it. And the Chiefs just go. This line opened at minus five and a half, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> so it's already climbed up to seven, some seven and a half. But right now it's at minus seven. And I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs here. It, yeah, it's that makes one of the sense. yeah. It's such a weird line. I mean, you look at it. It's like what? It's one of those that almost scare like scares me when you see that. You're going, wait, what am I missing here? Yep. That they're only my. I do like Nate's strategy. Pick against the Eagles. Pick the Vikings every week, and he's like, he's like Terry. He's just going two out of three uh, every week. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Eagles have no idea what they want to be offensively. I don't know how they're not building this around Jalen Hurts' legs as yep. a. You know, I thought we were going to see a creative run game where then you're going to see QB power. Same. And sweeps and all these different options and you just haven't seen it at all so i don't think they know what they want to be offensively have a chiefs team coming in at one and two you know they need their offense has been very good yeah. if they don't turn the you know if you take away the handful of turnovers it's not like they're getting stopped in three and outs and stuff mm -hmm. and so yeah i just i just picked the eagle i picked the chiefs 31 16 in that game so i, I would definitely be on that side of it awesome Glad yeah, I mean, you think about it, that would be the one argument in favor of the Eagles is that you watch what the Ravens did to the Chiefs on the ground. Do the Eagles finally say, we have to lean into this? Like, this is the where they're worst and the only place where maybe we can have an advantage. But now the Eagles' offensive line is falling apart. Yeah. You got no Brandon right. Brooks, no Isaac Salamalo. Their left tackle's already hurt. They haven't shown that aspect of their offense. So it, it's hard to find reasons that the Eagles are going to stick in this game because the Chiefs are pissed off. Yeah. That, I know that's a silly thing to put money on, but... I they absolutely are. could see the Chiefs just saying, we're scoring 40 in this game. Like, and we have to do that in this moment. And also, Lamar is Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. So that's a, it's a little bit of a, a, Fair souped point. Up, a souped up version of that. Yeah. And I, I what Shield was just saying, it's, I, I don't understand. I don't think they know what they want to do on offense. And I get it. It's a hodgepodge of parts, and, but it's, it, it's very dinky dunky and go balls. And it's, I guess, this Chiefs team, honestly, they're probably just going to go get to third down. Because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to handle protections and anything. I know Jason Kelsey's fine with that, and the offensive line has some some reps at it, but they're banged up. Um, so I just think get to third down, get into sub personnel, and that's where the Chiefs are just going to unload on them. So all of a sudden, if you see this game twenty one nothing or or seventeen nothing, if the Chiefs get out hot 
Andy Reid's got his first 15 plays rolling. It's like that's I have Hertz has to just start chucking the ball. It's gonna be ugly. Um, so just hoping yeah. for a big block. You don't think that she you don't think the Eagles are built to play from behind? I do me? not. Is that what you're trying I to do tell not. me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shea, what's your last one? All right, I'm gonna make this my lukewarm. Yes. Lock of the week. Yes. I don't feel good about no, it. But yeah. you know what? Some sometimes you gotta take some swear. I was trying to do some game theory. I'm like, should I just be doing this every week? I was trying to do the math on it. Uh, I didn't quite get there, but you know, this week I'm gonna let it rip and you're gonna laugh. The math probably doesn't doing. make sense. It should probably be negative three points, but we've already committed to the scoring system. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should just be doing this every, every week. week. The the upside is more. it only took we me. We need a week to make the punishment really hard, like the yeah. actual the, I know, I know. I know. That's what I know. That out. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, I feel like I'm making a habit of taking teams that I don't really like or believe in here, but I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road at the Green Bay Packers. They are six and a half point underdogs here. I don't love the Steelers. Every, everyone who was laughing at them last week, all the flaws that everybody pointed out correctly before the season that have, has, have shown up and they've been pretty much exactly the team that critics thought they were going to be. I picked them seven and 10 going into the year. Uh, having said that, this is sort of a, you know, I like the Steelers as underdogs. I don't like them as favorites, basically, is is how I looked at this. You know, when it's sort of a situation where maybe they can ugly this up a little bit. Uh, I don't know if TJ Watt's going to be back or not for this game, but the Packers offensive line played great last week, but they still have some young guys there. Maybe you can show them uh, some, some different blitz schemes and maybe create a turnover, maybe get a play on uh, special teams there. And, you know, the Packers defense, I, I don't like the Steelers offense, but I don't. I still am not sold by, by any means uh, on the Packers defense. So if you're just, I feel like the Steelers should just be throwing go balls to chase Claypool like 11 times a game. I swear. It's like every second, they haven't moved the ball all game. Then they throw a couple of those. He comes down with a great catch or he gets a pass interference. And all of a sudden he's pumping his fist and you're going, this may be your best off. Just do, maybe just do this like once a uh, possession. So uh, the Steelers, since I actually, this is, I'm getting into real degenerate territory here, but I actually looked this up. Uh, since 2016, <laughs> uh, when they've been an underdog, they're 14 and five against the spread hey. so it's, it's kind of like one of those where hey the eye test of when you sort of count them out or feel like they should have no business in this game like in week one at buffalo they kind of come out and uh surprise you so don't feel good about it don't feel good about myself don't feel good about much in life right now but uh i'm going good i'm going with the steelers plus six and a half as my lukewarm lock of the week love it love it all right so people listening to this show we need to crowdsource what Shield has to do if he gets this wrong. If it's yes. Steelers themed in some way, that's great. I thought that Nate having to sing Fly Eagles Fly if the Eagles did not come through for him a couple weeks ago was a perfect punishment. Mm. So whatever Shield has to do that's just horrible and embarrassing if the Steelers don't pull this out, uh, please, please give us your suggestions. I am not by nature a cruel person or a prankster, so this is not where I really thrive. So I, we're going to need some help here. All right. I, Nate, I need more cruel people. So yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I exactly. Oh I, need, I need some mean I, people I, in my life. If you can count on the internet yes. for one thing, it's cruelty. So that's really what I'm hoping for here. Yes. <laughs> hey, some of you Bengals fans that love to live in my replies, throw out some punishments <laughs> for it. Uh, Cause you guys seem petty <laughs> enough to do it. Um, so <laughs> 
I, it's funny because she'll already referenced one of my betting angles so far this football season. And I, again, am becoming a meme of myself. I am going with the Vikings again. Plus they were plus two. It's got, and I'm pissed off. It got bet down to plus one and a half, but plus one and a half. They are hosting the Cleveland Browns. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I am doing this. Again, this is a continuation of what I said the last few weeks with the Vikings. I think they are a better team than people realize, especially offensively. Uh, I do not think Kirk Cousins is going to be able to play like that like he did last week. I, I do think he has evolved in this offense where they're going with more 11 personnel. Conklin, the tight end, looks fantastic. Um, they're using it just there's little tweaks and stuff, what they're doing with a, a little baby Kubiak stuff out there, spreading the ball out. I really like that kind of what they're, what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line's gelling a little bit, which was really cool to see. Again, you're not going to play the Seahawks defense every week. Uh, that might be more of a question mark than I think people realize is that Seahawks defense. On the flip side, the Browns believe their run game. Run game's fantastic. Do think there is some struggles with the drop back pass, as we know with Baker. I think Baker missed a lot of throws last week. Uh, actually had some of the same negatives happen, crop up with him that people are getting on Justin Fields about, which is actually kind of funny to watch when you watch both, not to the extreme, but if you watch both sides of the ball, it was like, hey, there's a quarterback drifting in the pocket. There's a quarterback drifting in the pocket. There's a quarterback not missing the ball at a deep intermediate part of the field. There's a quarterback not seeing a deep intermediate part of the field. There's a quarterback trying to do too much. There's a quarterback. It was just really funny to watch both sides of the ball. He took five sacks last week against that Bears defense. Um, so I I think this Vikings defense, if they can keep it close, they keep it in the game, they keep the run game, limit the explosive plays in the pass game, the play action stuff that the Seahawks tried to do last week. I just think that they can keep this game close and this offense is going to go against this Bear, uh, Browns defense. They move the line. They're actually going to move the quarterback more than the Chicago Bears did. Um, so I think they can get after this Browns defense <laughs> a little bit more than we saw last week. So, And it's at home. So I'm going to go Vikings plus one and a half. I just can't believe this just keeps happening. I had another bet just in case if I great. didn't want to make this like become a just total joke but screw it let's go baby it's winning yeah, yeah. it's winning I, I i i like the vikings too uh in that game i mean that seahawks game last week i know the, the browns offensive line is much better than the yes. seahawks offensive line but i thought the vikings defensive line just it, it was only three possessions but you're going wait how, how did the seahawks not score after like the 11 minute mark of the second quarter and i thought the but like everson griffin yep. and uh you know daniel hunter and dalvin tom that a real nice stunt on the uh on the right side there and russell wilson gets pressured so so I feel like if they can just like do enough to yes. pressure Baker Mayfield, like you mentioned, I don't think they're going to dominate the game, but I think if they can do uh, just enough at home, they're sort of like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say evenly matched teams. I like the Browns more, but I don't think there's a wide gap. Maybe they should just do like whichever team has more yards on running back screens in this game. Uh, just, just wins. Like it. forget the actual scoreboard. Cause that's going to be every other play is going to be an amazing running back screen that goes for like 27 yards. We're going to see so many play action screens in this game. So many play action. <laughs> screens and then just like slants we're gonna see a ton of slants in this game just get ready for baker mayfield and kirk cousins whipping some slant balls out there oh god i really hope you pick the vikings every single week i just hope this i can't believe i'm doing that this. you just can't get away i from thought about the picking them this season. week yeah. i would have loved if shield did that would have been so much better I, I can't believe this is happening i looked at the line i was like they're plus two it opened at plus two or two and a half and i couldn't believe it i was all right all right well <laughs> here we are <laughs> All right. Huge week with Shield Huge. taking a swing. He needs it. He's down six Ooh. to three and a half on the season, trying to mount a comeback. Gentlemen, thank you very much for doing this. It's always a good time. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. 
you guys have been slacking a little bit with the Apple reviews, put some in there. Let, let, let us know. Let us know how we're doing. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic. It's where you can find Shields picks and a bunch of other indispensable NFL coverage. Theathletic.com slash football show. I'm telling you, if you don't have a subscription, you're going to need one. That is all we got for today. Nate and I will be back on Sunday nights. So please come join us after the games. It is a great slate of games this weekend as we dug into earlier on the show. We'll be back on Sunday. Until then, guys, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.